Welcome to the Testimony Word broadcast from the Cupid's House Chapel International. Our mission is to bring healing, transformation, and meaning to the lives of people in different societies with the good news of Jesus Christ. When you allow yourself to grow in a relationship with Him, you start getting filled up. When you are full of the Spirit, eh, you will be restrained and constrained from doing some things that are not of honest report. God's servant delivers the word of truth with clarity, simplicity, and dexterity. Here is Pastor Francis Aubin proclaiming God's mind to you today. I want us to pray. Father, we are grateful unto you. We thank you for your word that's anointed and is coming to edify us like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I want us to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28 to 31. A very beautiful scripture. It's very powerful. It says that, but let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. 29. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. 31 says, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Beautiful. Can you give me the verse number 28? But let a man examine himself, so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Beautiful one. We see that the Lord gives an invitation for us to come to the cup of blessing or to the table of blessing. So today I'm sharing, I'm beginning a series with you called Forgiveness. So we are going to be talking about forgiveness because when you read about what makes communion powerful, one of the keys that will make your communion so powerful in this time is the key of forgiveness, is the key of love and peace that we share amongst the brethren. I believe that you and I know that communion is a very powerful covenant emblem for those of us um, who belong to this dispensation that we believe in the power of God through the communion. Indeed, communion is one of the things that the Lord Jesus told us and even the apostles reiterated that we should continually do as often as we do this. We do this in remembrance of the Lord. So you and I are enshrined to practice the spiritual covenant of partaking um, the communion at the Lord's table. And it's an invitation actually to the Lord's table. He said, come up to the Lord's table. It's an invitation for elevation. It's an invitation to a blessing. So we believe through the communion, we receive our healing. Through the communion, curses are broken. Through the communion, we have long life. We have prosperity. Abraham's prosperity was sealed with a communion from Melchizedek. So we believe the blessings that the Lord uses and pours upon us through the channel of the communion. However, there are spiritual laws. In fact, if you read the book of Romans, it talks about, talks about the law of the spirit of life and also of death. So the, the spirit also has laws. So whenever there is something God has given us that has got a lot of blessings, we also have to know the spiritual laws or the conduct 
the proper conduct we should uphold in order for us to appropriate all the blessings that come through such a channel. So it's on that platform that I want us to consider the issue of forgiveness. The scripture is talking about Apostle Paul admonishing the church in Corinth and he's just telling them that everyone that comes to the table should just examine himself. Why? Because people were taking their empty stomach and Onto the church, they were drinking the wine, they were eating the bread, and people who were meant to have the bread and the wine for communion were not having it. And then Paul was saying, This is a lot of carnality, you know. So, but let every man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. So, it the Bible admonishes us that whenever we are coming to the table of the communion or to the table of blessing, one of the first things we should do is to examine ourselves. When the Bible says examine yourself, it talks about scrutinizing your heart, making sure that you also evaluate what is on your conscience. So examine yourself means check what's on your spirit, check what's on your soul, check what's on your body. You must come to the communion table with a good condition, especially with your heart. So Paul is saying, examine yourself. And the reason why we should examine ourselves is that there are dire consequences for doing this thing in a wrong way. And so I'm not going to really bore you with a lot of things, but we're going to just go into one or two nitty gritty. So it says, examine yourself because self-examination is the critical thing that will make you plant yourself in a blessing. You see, everybody can lie to you and, uh, and, but you can't lie to yourself. Everything can be, people can be applauding you, but between you and God, you know what goes on internally within you. So Paul is saying that if you are coming to the communion table, you want to eat the bread, you want to partake of the cup of blessing, examine yourself. And in examining yourself, he says that the reason why we should do this is because of this. If you look at the next verse, very beautiful um, verse that has been put in a very powerful way say for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself not discerning the lord's table so there are people who eat and drink they eat the bread they drink the wine but they do it unworthily there is an unworthy way to do to eat the bread and to drink of the wine the bread being the body of christ and the wine being the blood of Jesus. Remember that it is the blood that was shed and it is the body that was buried. So these two, the death of Christ involves these two. And the resurrection came with a different body. So um, it says that if you eat in an unworthy way, if you drink in an unworthy way, it comes with its own ramifications. So for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, Eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. Who comes to the communion table wanting damnation or curses? You don't come to the communion table with the motive that I want to engage curses. You come to the communion table for your healing, for your strength, for blessings. But he's saying that people who partake of the communion in an unworthy way, they partake also unto themselves damnation. You bring condemnation, you bring judgment, you bring 
trouble to yourself. Why? Because you are not discerning the body of Christ. So there is a way to discern the body of Christ. That word you are not discerning the body of what's the body of Christ? The body of Christ is the church. The body of Christ is the various brethren that come together to form the church, which is called the universal body of Christ. So not discerning the body of Christ means that we are not remembering. You see, the communion is to remember, is to be able to put a puzzle together. Brother, brother, brotherly love here and there. So when you are not discerning the body of Christ, the most powerful tool Jesus used for the redemption of man was love. So when you are partaking of the communion without the expression of pure love, the God kind of love, the agape love, devoid of offense, devoid of um, anger, hatred for your brethren, the body of Christ, not just God, the body of Christ, your brothers, your brethren in the church, your pastor, your leaders, people serving under you, your spouse, your, your friends, your siblings, as we are in, on a lockdown like this, children are going to cause you wahala. You are going to also cause children wahala. Spouses who have not built their relationship can be in a home and never talk all day. And then little thing can spark little fire here and there. It looks like I'm playing some people's tape and keyboard right now as I'm talking. But it's like some people are married, but they don't have a relationship. And so little things just trigger anger. Little things because you've not, a relationship must be developed. And in the course of developing relationship, if you are not careful, it might explode and the relationship will be destroyed entirely. So he's saying that if you're a Christian and you want to partake of the communion worthily, you must discern the body correctly. Discerning the body means that you should have the capacity to love. You should practically love. You should practically forgive like Christ forgave everyone. By doing that, you now welcome blessings into your life. So brothers, you see why it's important that we talk about forgiveness this evening. Because without forgiveness, there's going to be massive problems in our lives. So the next verse says that when we don't do this, it says that if we don't discern the Lord's body correctly, it says that for this cause, not only domination, for this cause, many are weak. So people come to the communion table and instead of receiving the blessing of healing, the blessing of wholeness, the blessing of strength, supernatural strength and health, they rather become weak. Not only that, but many die. Look at the scripture. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. Many are weak, many get sick, many die. For which cause? That we are not discerning the body of the Lord, the, the, the Lord's body correctly. And so we are bringing the domination is in weakness, is in sickness, and is in death. So these three are the domination that the apostle is talking about. And verse 31 says that. So in order for us to escape all these things, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. So you and I should be able to judge, examine we should be able to investigate our hearts, our conscience, our mind to find out whether we are fit for the communion table today. Let me say that no matter how your sins are, you are permitted to come to the communion table. But as to whether you will receive, you see, when you are an unbeliever and you come to the communion table with your sins, that's okay. 
God wants everybody to approach him with whatever you are, come as you are. But once you receive Christ, there are, there are standards you must live up to. So I will keep saying that for people who are married, there are standards in the Bible. You need to keep up to them. For those of us who are not married, there are standards. For those of us who are servants, there are standards to keep up to. So those of us who are masters or employers or people, we, there are standards. The Bible says that give the laborer their hire. So there are standards. You can't be crooked as far as your employees are concerned. And you come to the communion table to receive what? You will be weak. You will be sickly. And you will be dying. It can happen to your body or business. It can happen to any area of your life. So, and the key reason why this will happen is the unworthy way we partake of the communion. And that unworthy way is that we do not discern the Lord's body correctly. And that simply means unforgiveness is the key element that makes people attract domination instead of blessings into their lives when they come onto the communion table. So, we're going to take it from Luke chapter 17 verse 1. When we are talking about forgiveness or unforgiveness, how does it come? So look at this. Then said he unto the disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. So first of all, people harbor unforgiveness because of offense. And Jesus is talking to his disciples that it is impossible for a human being here on earth who has relationships with fellow human beings to avoid the element of offense. That as long as you live in a community, you live with human beings, as long as you relate with people, it has not all to do with you, but it also has to do with people. That even if you are a Mr. Perfectionist or Sister Perfectionist, it says that, It is impossible for us to avoid offense. That offense will come. When he says impossible, it means you, you, we will not escape offense. The same way we will not escape tribulation or adversity, no matter who you are. So no one is immune to offenses. That's number one. That no matter how spiritual you are, you can be offended. Number two, no matter your status, whether you are born again or you are not born again, there are tendencies that might arise to make you offended. So sometimes you are very careful, you are cautious, you are meticulous in relating with people, but people will not always be cautious when they are relating with you. You you don't want to offend people, but people sometimes either don't care or that's how they have been behaving for a long time. And if you are not careful, your reading of their behavior, which might not be a motive, backing what they are doing can make you offended. Because people's actions might be negatively, you know, interpreted. And, and they might not even know the effect of their actions and attitudes on your life. And so Jesus is saying that, I'm telling you that it is impossible that when, and he was speaking to his disciples, not just unbelievers, people who had been with him, that being with him, it is impossible that you will avoid offense. Offense will come. I need you to tell yourself that offense will come. 
Please tell yourself that no matter who I am, no matter what I think I am, no matter how anointed I think I am, no matter how spiritual I am, no matter my faith, offense will come. That I cannot escape it. Maybe you will not offend somebody, but someone will offend you. And no matter who you are, you will also offend people. Because sometimes, you even offend people without knowing you have offended them. I was speaking to a brother, and he was in a relationship, two of my members, with a sister. And then the relationship um, fell through. And uh, when they, they, they were at the verge of breaking up, or they broke up, and I was doing counseling for the brother, he, he just said to me that until he came to our church... He always had a problem when he was with people and they started laughing. He would be so offended that he's with you and you are laughing. That is, as far as he's concerned, when you, are, you hear good news and he's with you and you start laughing or something is around and you start laughing, he feels offended. Why? Because when he was younger, they used, they used to laugh at him. They used to insult him. They used to abuse him. And all the people around who were bullying him were always laughing at him. So being in a relationship with a sister, the sister couldn't be happy, couldn't be cheerful. Can you imagine that you are in a relationship with someone and you have to abandon your joy, your laughter to keep the person happy? How does that work? All right, so, and it had nothing to do with the sister. It had everything to do with the personality of the brother. So, there are issues you don't deal with because things are happening around negativity. Like, nothing negative is happening. But something in, in the, we call it nature defect or deficiency in one's nature. There's a way that some people, when they are exposed to certain situations, they react. So, this one, when he's exposed to, he's talking to you and all of a sudden, you, you remember something and he starts laughing. It, it negatively communicates to him. And he will start, he will start going bananas, as we say. So, no matter who you are, I mean, different people come in with different baggage. And so, you, your baggage might be different. People have different emotional energies and different emotional tensions. So, you can't say, I'm too careful. I don't know what the sister did, just laughing and being happy. And which lady doesn't want to be happy around her, her guy? But being happy around this guy means trouble for you. And so you can't be careful enough, even though we'll try our best. But Jesus is saying that offenses will come. So either you are offending someone without knowing or someone is offending you without knowing. Or some people even offend you with motive. And you will also offend people with, with motive, knowing that I'm going to offend. So the point is that as long as we are in a community of human beings, Relating with people. And we are relational beings. Human beings are more relational than professional. And so we can't always bring our professional self into our relationships. When I'm in love with someone, my securities are down. So I don't think, but when I see a stranger, all my technicalities and my antennas go up. So because we are more relational beings than professional beings. And it is impossible to be technical all day. Or people to be technical all around you. It doesn't matter who you are. After a while, people will break that ice of being technical around you. And you to be, hey, hi, like that. And sometimes people get offended. Because when we are being relational, we don't always become careful. And so 
If these things are the things that really bother you and coming to the communion table, you are carrying such an offense to the communion table, it's going to block you from receiving your blessing. H. And offenses are very serious. And so the Lord Jesus is saying that don't be the one through whom the offense comes, but be the person who is possibly the one offended. And when you are offended, don't sin. <laughs> I love the scriptures. It says that when you are offended, don't sin. When you are offended, don't sin. So don't be the one to offend. Be the one to be offended. But when you are offended, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. That you are free to be angry, but after a while, let it check out. Don't sin with the anger. Don't sin with the offense. So, why are we talking about offense? Because offense is the foundation for unforgiveness. It's the foundation for unforgiveness. And it might come from any anger. I feel like stopping the preaching here and ending the service. But I need to say more. And some people are not only... I mean, offense comes basically in two categories. In Acts chapter 24, verse 16, Act 24, 16... There are two categories of offense. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. So when you are offended, the weight is on your conscience. And so number one offense is that someone can be offended towards God. Oh, that's right. Make your note. Someone can be offended toward God. Thank you for the scripture. So, how do people become offended toward God? We see it in the Bible. When your expectation doesn't meet your manifestation, you can be offended towards God. In fact, people of faith can be offended towards God that I have believed you, God. I have prayed. I have sown my seed. I have paid my tithe. I have done all that the Bible says I should do. But look at me. Why am I in this mess? Why am I in this kind of situation? Why am I not married? Why am I married and I don't have a child? Why am I having several surgeries? Why am I sick? When the word of God said this. And the word of God said that. When there is that shortfall in between your expectation and your manifestation, you can be offended at God. And throughout generations, there are many people who have been offended at God before. People can be offended towards God. I mean, there was a time when Lazarus was sick and they called Jesus to come and Jesus refused to come. Sometimes when God is is playing his own game based on his will, human beings can be offended because sometimes we think we have built a relationship with God to a certain level that God should be at our beck and call, like Martha and Mary and Lazarus. They sent a message to Jesus and said, your friend in whom you loved is sick at the point of death. And Jesus said, well, your interpretation is he's sick and he's at the point of death, but my interpretation is that it's not unto death. And when he died and he was told, he said that he's not dying, he's sleeping. When God is defining things differently from how you are defining things, it can really make you offended. Why am I not married? Okay, Elizabeth is barren. Hannah gets barren. And Hannah is on God's case. Is on God's case. Is on God's case. And God says, look, 
You people might say you are barren. Maybe I have even locked your womb from giving birth, but don't call yourself barren. I want you to see your womb as a sacred womb because it's going to give birth to a prophet. So I've reserved your womb for such a time as this. Sometimes when God's definition is different from our definition, we become offended. When God's operation is different from our expectation, we become offended. Why won't Jesus stop everything he's doing and come right now? But Jesus said, hey, I have my own time. And people can be offended just waiting for the time of God. Why can't it happen in my own time? I mean, and in the lockdown like this, a lot of people are going to be offended at God. I'm telling you, so many people are offended that, okay, why is it that God says he's a God of peace? He's a God of love. And he's allowed virus to be killing people. Some people will be offended. Some will backslide. If he says he's an all-knowing God, he's an all-powerful God, why is he allowing a virus to kill people? People will be offended. And some will backslide. But I'm here to tell you that no one has been offended at God and has ever won the battle between themselves and God before. It is in your best interest to be on the proper side of God than on the offensive side of God. It's, it's, it's important to know that. The second level of offense is offense towards men. You can really be offended by people. So two strands of offense. Offended by people. Your spouse can offend you. And I've sat in marital relationships or simple courtship relationships or just brother and sister relationship where people are deeply offended. Parent-children relationship where children are deeply offended. Why did my dad leave me when I was young? Why did my mom migrate and leave me in the care of my father or my auntie? And why? Why, did, why was he not around? Why did I lose my childhood to, to a, a, a fatherless presence? People can be so bitter and offense. And they even go into the next phases of their lives with that kind of offense. Because their dad was not there. Their mom was not there. Somebody who promised them something. Refused to deliver. Uncle said he would take them abroad. Or will fix them in a job. And, and, and their boyfriend said this. You said you will build a house for me. You will buy a car for me. Offense. People can be offended. Promises and, and not being delivered. Can make you offended. And some people can be offended. <laughs> there are some things I can't say as a pastor. As a counselor. So much. I mean, people can be so offended. There's a marriage issue I was dealing with. Even how the toothpaste is pressed and how it is pressed was creating serious offense in the house between a couple. Because one is from a a more enlightened family and one is from the side I come from, from down there. And those of us from down there, what's important is that we get the paste on the brush. But the one from the enlightened society feels that to get the paste out, you have to start from the bottom up. You can't just press anywhere of the toothpaste and get it. And that's indiscipline. That's, that's your uncultured. It's uncouth. You know, etiquette for boys and girls. You don't do that. You know, a spouse put in, some men come home, their socks is here, their shoe is there. It's the reason why serious matters have arisen in their house. People can be offended. People can be so offended that why is it that the spouse made a decision to stop a career to come into ministry? Or why is someone who is a minister has decided to take a part-time job 
People can be offended. In the lockdown, people can be offended. So many, so many things are happening there. Why are the children making noise? Why are you always shouting? People can be offended. Why, people can be offended. Offense towards one another. I'm feeling this message. I'm really feeling it. In the choir, people can be offended. Why am I not singing? Why is it that this one is the only one always singing? Why is it that this one is the only one whose name is always mentioned by a pastor for an example? Is he the only one? Okay, why is, is it that these are the only people pastor has, has brought around? People can be offended. Pastor is selective, he's choosy, he's partial. And because we are not rich, the pastor is only relating with the rich people in the what do you call it? In the church. But those of us who are not rich, why? Oh, people can be offended. When Jesus went into the midst of unbelievers, people were offended. Jesus went to the house of a rich man. People were offended. They called him a glutton. Jesus healed on the Sabbath day. People were offended. Jesus delayed in healing. People were offended. So Bible said he knew what was in the heart of man, so he did not commit himself unto men. When you know what is in the heart of man, it will save you from offense. What it means is that nothing human beings do, don't give yourself the chance to be surprised. If you want to walk with a clear conscience, devoid of burden, <laughs> of unforgiveness, refuse to be surprised. Pastor, don't be surprised. My Christian sister refused to be surprised. What people will do, they will do. <laughs> and if you allow yourself to be surprised, you'll be offended. Because some people cannot believe that you say you love me and you did this. But sometimes the development of love is such that people must be allowed to be themselves. That the fact that people are in love, they must also grow. And in growing, people will make mistakes. But some people would tie you to it. Because the Bible actually says that people who are mostly offended are very legalistic people. They, they tie down to that. I'll talk about it in some other day. But if you are that person who is like you're always pulling strings here. Everything must be prim and proper around you. You'll be offended all day long. Because this time around people are really, really dynamic, pragmatic. And people are really, really flexible and fluid in the way they behave. And so, if you allow yourself to be surprised as a pastor, first thing I told myself is that no one is deserving of my anger and nobody should surprise me. There is nothing you will do that will surprise me. I refuse to be surprised because Christ is not surprised at the attitude of anybody at all. So, if you want to be free from bitterness, offense, make sure that you are not surprised. So, offense towards God, offense towards men. And when that happens, it can really make you really, 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 really offended. And when you're offended, you are on the way to some very serious viruses entering into your body. Now, what are some of the effects of allowing offense in your life? What are some of the effects? Look at Romans chapter 5 verse 15. In Romans chapter 5 verse 15, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Now watch that, listen to this carefully. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, 
much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. In fact, verse 18 talks about, look at verse 18, it sheds more light or say, therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. So let's go back to 15 again. Look at the second line. He said, for if through the offense of one, many be dead, many be dead through the offense of one. He's saying that by one man's sin, many people died. Or when one man is offended or when one man allows himself to become a channel of offense, it is going to cost the lives of many people. And he was making reference to Adam. And then the second Adam is Jesus Christ. So here we see clearly that the offense of one man or one person causing you an offense can result in the condemnation, the judgment, the death of many lives. Offense by one man can result. So Adam's sin caused all human beings to fall short of the glory of God. We came under judgment and people started dying right from Abel to down, down, down. And that's why we still have death. So offense is dangerous because when one person is offended, he can kill a lot of people. When one person, look at the terrorists, the jihadists. They are angry at something, mostly about Western education, Western culture, about something that we don't know. But that offense in their heart is what makes them bomb people whom they don't know from Adam. They kill many people because they are offended. You see them angry. When you see them walking and going to bomb and going to shoot people, you see that you can see the anger in their eyes. The day that Bin Laden was announced dead, I was in Manchester in UK in Piccadilly train station and I didn't know. So all of a sudden the news came on the screen that uh, Bin Laden has been killed and there were some two guys there wearing this long gown. Most of them. I heard them say, how can you, how, how is it that you have not confirmed this thing and you have already put it on international news that um, um, Osama is dead. They were so angry. Then I saw the news on the screen. They were standing right before, right by my side. I immediately changed my geographical location. Hey! Because I saw the, of their anger. Their, the, I saw it in their eyes. I said, let me, let me leave here before these people detonate a bomb. And then and, uh, allow people to enter with Bin Laden into that sea. So when one man is offended, or when one man causes an offense, it can destroy a lot of people. Many people can be denied access into a place because offense. I mean, and where families have fought, where families have fought, sometimes things that have to be done for the other side, with this other side that is in an advantageous position because of the offense, they wouldn't do it. They don't want to hear about certain names. They don't want to see certain faces and, and all of that. Some people, their insecurities as a result of an offense caused them by a previous relationship or an action an employee did. So for now, if you are an employee under them, no matter how hard you work and kill yourself, they are offended and you are not the reason why they are offended. Something offended them before your arrival. 
And even though you were not there, you will bear the brunt of that offense fully, the judgment of that offense. Offense is a very dangerous poison in your system. People cannot forgive. We are talking about forgiveness. I'm building the foundation for you. How dangerous an offense can kill. People who are offended, kill. They kill. They destroy life. Many die because of offense. Means that your offense can have negative impact. Negative effect, ramification on the lives of many people. And that condition is also termed as death. That is, you being offended, you can cause the life of a lot of people. Lives of a lot of people. And so, it is important that you guard your heart against offense. In Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15, look at what this Bible is saying that not only does offense make you kill many lives or sentence a lot of people into condemnation and judgment, but Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 says that looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Wow. So when people are bitter, they fail of the grace of God. What that means is that whenever you are bitter, you, you do not appropriate the grace of God. You, you choke the channel of grace coming to you. You are on your own. You become legalistic. You refuse to walk in the grace of what the word of God has said. And he says when this happens, the root of bitterness, you see, offense, is, it just creates a root of bitterness. And when that root of bitterness starts springing up in you, first of all, it will trouble you. And then it will defile many other people around you. <laughs> Have you seen that bitter people contaminate the other people who are in a good light with them? When I'm not happy with you, I try to poison all the people who love me about you. So I defile you. So you relate with people based on a transferred anger, based on a transferred something that somebody did to me. I've been able to impart it to the people who are around me. And so when they are dealing with those people, they don't deal with them on their own level of relationship, examination, assessment, analysis of who they are to them, they deal with them based on what I have transferred onto them. That is called defilement. But the Bible says that before you defile other people, it will trouble you first. So when you are offended, you see that you lose sleep. The person who offended you might be sleeping and snoring, but you have lost sleep. Sometimes offended people soliloquize. You see them walking and they are talking to themselves, offended, angry, bitter. Bible says bitterness, offense, anger. It dries the bones. You see, most offended people, it affects their skin. It affects their health. So, it will trouble you first before it will come and trouble all of us. So, please, (laughs) keeping bitterness is like drinking poison and wanting me to die. So, it's important. It's in your own interest that you, I mean, you let it go. Offense, bitterness is very contagious. It doesn't only destroy people, it's contagious, it defiles people, it doesn't make people function well. So tonight, our service is a very simple service that one of the things you can do to trouble yourself, and in Corinthians, that can make you 
sickly, weak, and die is when you keep unforgiveness. And mostly, one of the key foundations of unforgiveness is offense. And when you're offended, then you begin to spit out poison. Sometimes you see a pastor who is offended in the pulpit, and everything he's saying is poisonous. And he's poisoning the congregation all the way. That's why I said, no matter your anointing level, no matter the rope you are wearing, whether you belong to the pulpit or you belong to the, uh, the pews, you can be offended. Many people have been offended regardless of their position, their status, or, or, or whoever they are. And so it is important that you and I come to that place where we say that, hey, I don't want to be weak, I don't want to be sickly, and I don't want to die. So I'm going to maintain my soundness from every form of offense. Church members can be offended. Pastors can be offended. Siblings can be offended. And then they would just infect, like the way the virus has been passing from one person to the other, that is how bitterness offense can pass from one person to the other. That's why you see some people fight other people's battles for them. It's because of transferred aggression. Transference of aggression. So, don't allow yourself to be offended, to be bitter. And when offense is not dealt with, it goes into one level to another level where it becomes something that is established in your heart as a bitterness. So one of the things you can do is you just deal with your offense immediately. Deal with your offense immediately. Praise the Lord. Deal with your offense immediately. If you are a minister and you allow offense to stay in your life, look, you are going to destroy a lot of people. And so the Bible makes us understand that we should deal with our offense immediately. Look at what the Bible says concerning offense and the altar of God. Okay, watch it very carefully. In Matthew chapter 5, 23 and 24. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother has ought against thee, your brother has an issue against you. It says that, verse 24, leave there thy gift before the altar And go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. So here, we see the Lord saying that if you come to his presence, if you come to offer a gift that you have decided that you want to offer to him, and you realize that your brother has an issue against you, or you have an issue against your brother, it really doesn't matter, the angle. Whether your brother has against you or you have against your brother. Once you remember. That is to say that offense. It stays on your mind. It stays on your conscience. Once you remember. He said stop right there. <laughs> so so you, it is not demons who are stopping you in the presence of God. One of the things that will stop you in the presence of God. Before the altar of power is offense. When you are offended or when you have offended someone, when there is irreconcilable differences between you and your spouse, between you and your brother, between you and your sibling, your friend, between you and, you know, those who belong to the household of faith and all of that, he says that stop yourself. Demons don't need to stop you. Angels don't need to stop you. You stop yourself. God says stop right there. Leave your gift right. Don't offer. See the scripture. Beautiful scripture. Very nice. 
Leave there thy gift before the altar. Not on, before, just leave it there. And here is the Old Testament. So this is an Old Testament something Jesus is talking about because this Jesus has not died. So he's talking about the Old Testament where the picture is that assuming you went to the altar with a cow and you wanted to offer it on the bent, uh, on the sacrifice as a bent offering. Okay. He says that don't, don't cut the cow, don't kill the cow, don't slaughter the cow. Leave, let the cow stand there. <laughs> let the goat stand there. Let the sheep stand there. Leave the goat there. Tie it to the altar there. Go home. Look for wherever your brother is. Your sister is. Whoever is offended with you or you are offended with. Look for them. The Bible never said people should look for you. He said you that is offended or you that has offended someone. The responsibility is on the child of God. Listening to me right now. Whether your husband has offended you, <clears throat> your wife has offended you, you that is hearing the word right now, the honors is on you to leave everything you are doing and go and make peace with your partner. Go and make peace. Maybe you were the one who was offended, but you are the one hearing the voice of God now. And so God is telling you that make peace before you come back to this altar of power to engage me. In the presence of the Lord, the response, the duty lies on you, the believer. You are the child of God. God is not talking to the unbeliever. He's not talking to anybody who is outside the premise of his voice. He's talking to you that is listening to me right now. You have an issue with a, a colleague. You have an issue with your partner, your spouse, your children. Your children have an issue with you. Whoever you are and you feel like you have an issue with someone or someone has an issue with you, the Lord is telling you tonight that stop yourself, as you are listening to me right now, be making plans (laughs) to go and look for whoever is not happy with you or you are not happy with, and reconcile. Look at the scripture. Reconcile. It's an instruction. It's not a suggestion. Leave there thy gift before the altar, And go thy way. First be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer thy gift. This is the interpretation of obedience is better than sacrifice. This is a true interpretation. And tomorrow God willing. When I come on set. I am going to go deeper into the scripture. Leave your gift there. Go and look for the brother. Reconcile. That is to say that as far as the Lord is concerned, there is no issue between you and someone that is irreconcilable. There is no issue between someone and you that cannot be reconciled. The Lord didn't say be friends with the person, but he's saying that at least reconcile, smoke the peace pipe, and then come back. He didn't say even come back with the person. He said, you reconcile, be at peace with the person or let the person be at peace with you. And then you come back to his presence and then do whatever you are doing. So working in the house of the Lord, harboring people in your heart is not a blessing. Praying in the presence of the Lord, harboring people in your heart is not a blessing or causing offense to people. And you are praying, I don't care what you feel. You must care what people feel from what you do. Because you won't offend people and block them from receiving their health, their blessings, and you are in the presence of God. I don't care. I know the Lord, so I don't care what I do. That's how some people operate. 
But you see, you need to give people the chance also to be blessed. But you yourself, you'll be troubled first. You, you think, is a war unto you through whom an offense comes? So leave your offering at the altar. If you believe your tithe is powerful, your first fruit is powerful, your destiny is powerful, God is telling you that until the you, you go and reconcile. That blessing doesn't really get activated on the altar. The altar is powerful, no doubt. But it doesn't work for everyone. It works for you based on your condition. Based on obedience to the Lord. So you and I tonight, we have this duty to reconcile with people. And why is it possible? It's possible. Look at what the scripture said. And then tomorrow we'll come to this. That really, the Bible says that Leave your offering there. Leave your, leave your gift there. Because in, in those days, it was the offering or the sacrifice that caused the fire to come down. So the power of God in the presence of God, that is supposed to come to you. The presence of God, the power of God, the grace of God, the anointing, the treasures of divinity. That must come to you based on your activities in the presence of God. They are hinder, You hinder yourself from appropriating them because you are either harboring an offense, you are unforgiving, or you are offending people without correcting the error. I feel it. I'm feeling it. <clears throat> Unforgiveness is dangerous. Living careless is a careless way of living a spiritual life. That you come and throw the gift there. You come and throw the offering there without being in a good condition. No blessing. That's why he says that many who do it unworthily, they have become sickly, they have become weak, and they are dying. That's why the more you pray, the more you are going down. The more you fast, the more you give. You are not seeing things the way you are supposed to see it. Some people come and say, I took the communion and A, B, C, D happened. But you, the more you are doing it, nothing is happening. So it's important that please, we do it well. And every one of us, we have been given the ministry. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. The reason why you are inexcusable when it comes to forgiveness is that the Bible said, look at verse 18, and all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. What has he given to us? He has reconciled us, all things of God. He has reconciled us unto himself by Jesus Christ. And he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. You and I, we have got the ministry of reconciliation. So what should we do? Look at verse 19. When we have the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. We first have the ministry of reconciliation and there is a word in our mouth that is called the word of reconciliation. The word that we speak that brings peace. That's why I say, leave your gift there. Go and talk to the person. If the person says no, there is a process. He did not consider trespass. He did not consider iniquity. He did not consider sin. And he has given us that same ministry. Of reconciliation. He has also given us the word of reconciliation. You and I, we have the ministry. 
So not forgiving is not doing your ministry. This is the ministry God has given you. That Christ also in us. The way God reconciled us to himself through Christ. That Christ is reconciling the world unto himself through us being ambassadors here. That's why in verse 20, he says that now that you are ambassadors of Christ. So we are doing the work here. The work, the position Christ was in when he was here. That's the kind of position we find ourselves in. So we cannot consider trespass. We cannot consider sin. We cannot consider iniquity. We cannot be imputing sin to people. We need to forgive. The same way Christ forgave and reconciled us. Built the bridge between us and the Godhead. It's the same way we should build the bridge of peace. The bridge of forgiveness. And if you are a spouse and your home has broken because of irreconcilable differences. Tonight, the Lord says I should tell you. You already have the ministry of reconciliation. And there is a word in your mouth. When you speak, grace will come. Offense takes grace away. But when, when you, are, you are willing to forgive, grace will come. Grace will flow. And that will bring the flow of forgiveness. This is so powerful that this is our ministry. When you are there and two people are in, having, are in loggerheads, you have the ministry of reconciliation to put them together. Whenever you are in a place, there must be peace. And between you and people, there must be peace because you have the ministry of reconciliation. This is what you are here primarily to do for God. You are here to do this for God on behalf of Jesus Christ. So not forgiving is abandoning your ministry of reconciliation and whatever word you are preaching Outside the ministry of reconciliation is not the word of reconciliation. It's another word. And that word invokes judgment, makes people weak, makes people sick, and makes people die. Pastor, you are going to kill a lot of people if you don't forgive. That assistant that left you. <laughs> you got to forgive. Forgive. There are, there are pastors standing in the pulpit and they are angry with their wives. Their wives angry with their husbands. I'm telling you, pastors feel, some people feel their wives are witches. They are not witches. It's just, pastors, we are strong. Let me not talk about pastors. <laughs> we are too strong. Forgive. We are not God. Forgive. Even God forgives. Pastors, don't forgive. Pastor, forgive. <laughs> the boys are misbehaving, but forgive. <laughs> the girls are misbehaving, but forgive. Uh, pastor, then you are standing there. I curse you. Why? Small thing they did to you. The person you are cursing eh, is also a child of God. Oh. And your father has not cursed you because your brother was angry with you and went to report to your father. Please, don't lie to yourself. Oh, this one, I curse you. Like, this will happen. This will happen to your generation. Blah, blah, blah. He said, nothing will happen, my brother. Stop this thing. Forgive and go. Whether you are whatever title you carry, please. As you are cursing, it's going to affect you. He that raises the sword must die out of the sword. So forgive. I mean, we need people to do ministry. Why are you cursing people? Why can't you forgive? Somebody left your church. They didn't pain you. Forgive. Somebody broke your heart in a relationship. Forgive. Somebody went to stab you at the back. Whether you are a pastor, you are a friend, whatever. They betrayed you. They stabbed you at the back. Forgive. Let it go. So that when you come to the table of communion, it shall be really the table of blessing. And when you partake of it, you will not be weak, you will not be sickly, you will not die. You will see the life of Christ, Romans eight eleven, rising up in you. 
You know, so forgive, forgive, forgive. Praise the Lord, forgive. If you want this scripture, the life of Christ to rise up in you, you need to forgive. You can't hold it any longer. You have to let it go. (laughs) The word of reconciliation, one way I will teach you is that say boldly that I forgive you. Say boldly that I forgive you. And some of you must forgive yourself because some choices you have made has landed you in some big mess and you must forgive yourself. Francis, I forgive you today. (laughs) I forgive you today. Francis, I forgive you today. Some of you have been beating yourself since Adam. Forgive yourself. So that when you come to the table, because you see, you should, you should appreciate who God has made you for you to appropriate the blessings on the table. Take it again. Appreciate who God has made you to appropriate the blessings of redemption. People who don't know who they are in Christ, don't maximize the blessings of redemption. So forgive yourself. No matter your background, who you are, what is working for you or not working for you, hey, God has given you life and there's something great coming your way tomorrow. You have been listening to the Testimony Word Broadcast from the Keepers House Chapel International. Locate us at Madina Estate, Accra, off the social welfare road between the Gulf Lane Station and Wawan Washing Bay. Follow us on Facebook at the Keepers House Chapel International. Podcast and audio rima at Reverend Francis Auburn. Visit our website at www.kpshousechapel.org. One word. For further information, call 0244 177 831 or 0204-916-168 or 0277-532-360. Experiencing Jesus, Bethany Ministries.